Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Let Fear Bounce. This is Kim Langland, your host, and I am so pleased and blessed that you are spending just a small portion of your day today with myself and my special guest today, Nathan Ingram. He is the author of Christ at the Coffee Shop. I have been so enthralled with the title of this book. I can't wait to dig into more of that. But Nathan, growing up on a, on a small Tennessee hillside farm was was all the inspiration author Nathan Ingram needed to write his nostalgic collection of short stories demonstrating how anyone can find God in common places. Today, Ingram resides on a ranch in Magnolia, Texas with his wife and an assortment of horses and other animals. He and his wife also own and operate Lone Star Behavioral Health, a psychiatric facility specializing in the treatment of persons with severe and persistent mental illness. The Ingram seek each day to live the principles in this book. Nathan, thank you so much for being my guest today. Now, oh my goodness, just your bio. It's short, but there is a lot packed in there. By golly. But so welcome. <laughs> welcome to Let Fear Bounce. Thank you, Kim. So first off, you have a farm with a bunch yeah. of animals. <laughs> yeah. I love animals. And I have a rescue dog. Dog Dogs are my thing, but uh, I have a rescue dog. So you've got horses. And what other kind of animals do you have on that farm of yours? Oh, well, it's it, it really, uh, I've got dogs and, and a horse now. And then I have a lot of deer and wild hogs and squirrels and rabbits. And most of it's forest. You know, I've got a, a lot of lot of woods on my land. It's really what you wouldn't really call it a working ranch, except that I have guys working here all the time. But uh <laughs> But I don't, <laughs> it's not like I have a big cattle farm. Yeah, gotcha. You yeah. know what, though? I mean, I live in the country too. I often have critters, you know, deer and ringneck pheasant and possum and raccoon oh. and everything going through, turkey and, oh. you know, everything going through. And I, I always, I, I call myself the queen of the realm because this is my little realm and yeah. it is where peace resides. And, when I'm outdoors, which I am as often as I can be, no matter the season, I'm in the Northeast. So we get some, uh, weather. we get some weather up here, Yeah. but I'm out there with the dog every day, at least twice a day for half an hour each time walking. And you know, that being out there in, in the wilderness, in the wilderness, out in nature, that's where I always say I can breathe. And that is also the best time and the best place that I'm able to have my chats with God. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I'm, I'm exactly right there with you. I, I've, uh, I'm fortunate enough to be able to spend most of my time here on the ranch and, and I'm outside nearly all day, nearly every day. And it's just really, really neat. Aren't you putting awe each day? Put in awe. Oh yes, I am. I mean, every, just nearly every minute, you know, one of the neat things, that I, I've just, I don't know why I've lived like 61 years and just recently learned this, but gratitude is so awesome. Just being thankful for things. And then just, just looking at the, the complexity of, um, of creation. It, even I got bit by a rattlesnake the other day. <laughs> yeah. well, it, was, it was, it was silly, but, uh, uh, a little timber rattler was in my garage of my cabin and I picked it up to throw it away. They're protected here, you know, and, and my two grandchildren are right there with me. And so I thought, well, I need to get rid of this snake. So I thought, well, I'll just pick you up and throw you off. And I picked him up wrong and he bit me on the finger. 
that good night. And so I thought, well, there goes my evening, you know. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I had to go to the doctor. <laughs> uh, but just rattlesnake venom is incredible. <laughs> I, I imagine it is. I don't lucky, ever want to find out. Oh, lucky for me, it was a baby snake and he just got me with one fang on the finger and I got a real low dose of venom. But to see what it does to one's arm oh after, my you, goodness. after you get bit, he, he swelled, you know, it swelled up to above my elbow and that sort of thing. And I went to the ER and he said, that doesn't look too bad. Go home. You know, but uh, anyway, it surprised me that they didn't treat it. But, but just a snake that can do that. I don't know. It's just, it all just blows me away. Just the beauty of that little old snake and, and, and the fact that he's got that stuff in him that'll kill you if you get too much of it in you. And, but it's not just snakes, but it's everything. Everything just kind of blows me away at how complicated and awesome and beautifully designed it is. Yes. Beautifully yeah. designed. I, I often take pictures on my morning walks and my dog Dexter and I were out there early we're, we're pretty much waking the birds up when we're out there. Uh, and the other morning, actually, yeah, the other morning, I was, the sun was just peeking up. Hadn't even really crested the horizon yet, but the sky uh, was lighting up. Yeah. And there's all these, uh, they're not dandelions. It's some sort of weed, and I can't think of what it is, but they grow real tall, and they look like dandelion fluff at the top at this time of year. Uh, and there were little little tiny drops of dew on each of those oh. incredibly fragile little hairs. Yeah. And I zoomed up in and was on the ground looking up. So the sky was in the background and all those little dew drops were just sparkling like mini diamonds. It was the coolest picture because you could see every, every strand of little hair of that thing with like these little pearls on and I was just yet again each morning in awe and just went, thank you. Thank you yes. for giving me eyes to see that and to take the time to be in awe of it. That oh, is just amazing. Yeah. I've done the same thing. Uh, and spider webs will do the same thing. You know, do you own spider webs are just really, really pretty. Just yeah, it's like it's spider. like pearls. It's like little pearl necklaces. Yeah, yeah. Draped. Yeah. All the jewels in the world right there. <laughs> exactly. Oh, a kindred spirit. This is wonderful. <laughs> this is oh, wonderful. Man. There's a Kim, there's a little story in my book about uh God made visible. And I had a you know, dirt daubers. Dirt daubers are little bugs that look like wasps, but they they make their houses out of dirt and they stick them on the side of your wall and stuff. Man, I broke one of those off one time because I got mad at him. You know, he 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 built this house on my wall, and it was it was it was kind of a straw of mud. And uh, I looked in there, and there were five compartments in that little straw, and one of them had a grub worm in it. No, the first one had a paralyzed spider, and and uh, he was the spider wasn't dead, but he was all encapsulated in this mud. And then uh, the second one had a little bitty bitty worm and half of a spider, and the third one had a big worm and no spider, and the fourth one had a cocoon that looked dead, and the fifth one had a brand new dirt dauber in it. And so I thought, what in the world? Who could design something like that? I mean, to go through all these awesome phases of life and 
I mean, when we're thinking about bugs, we're really wishing more were dead, you know? I mean, who loves them enough to design something like that? Right. And so I just concluded, you know, if you want to see God, look at a dirt dauber, you know? <laughs> you know, and that's why you call them dirt daubers. We call them mud wasps. Mud wasps, same thing. Yeah, yeah, because exactly yeah, I found one in, my, in the corner of my front door. Yeah. Like the outside yeah. door, and I'm like, no, you can't live there. <laughs> Right. I found one in my booth the other day. I tried to put my boot on and the, a big old uh, clop of mud was in there because oh. where he had gone in there, built it. Of course, I hadn't put the boots on in a while. <laughs> oh, my. Wow. You, it sounds like you live dangerously. <laughs> oh, yeah. I live on the edge, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Wasps in your boot. You get you get bit by a rattlesnake the other day. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's trying to tell you something. Oh, shoot. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know either. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh, so I want to I want to jump into your book. Okay. It's Christ at the Coffee Shop. I yeah. absolutely love that title. Uh, thank it. you. Thank you. So explain to me or share, share with myself and the listeners why you felt compelled to write a book like this. Well, I've always, I've always wanted to be close to God, I think, or I feel like I have. And I've always felt like if I had to go to the top of a mountain somewhere or put on a robe or be mis mystical in some way, I was going to miss him because I wasn't going to do any of that. You know, I, I might go to the top of a mountain, but I'm not sure I could find God there. And so it's, it's always been, I've always loved nature. And so it seems like everywhere I look, you know, some people say I looked everywhere and I can't find God anywhere. Well, I think my dad taught me this and I believe it. I've looked everywhere and everywhere I look, there's God, you know, and it's just so, uh, so clearly obvious to me that there's design in everything. And if you try to think about how nature interacts with each other, you know, an acre, a oak tree has to build an acre and so a deer can live, you know, and, and, a, and a deer has to live so a coyote can live. You know, it's just so many, it's just so crazy complex that it has to be designed. And so it, I just like to, I just wanted to share that with people that say, oh, here's something I saw that reminds me of God. And, and I think I can tell something about his nature by what I experienced or what I saw. And it, I try to dumb it down to where I, somebody like me can understand it. <laughs> when I was uh, just, I was going to ask, and I love that. I, I, again, kindred spirit here. But for those, and, and I'm counting myself as one of those years ago, I didn't, I always say, find my faith yeah. until I was in my mid thirties. Yeah. So I call myself a late bloomer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this book sounds like it might be written for someone who might be seeking. They might not realize they're seeking because I didn't. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I had just a thousand thoughts go through my head at once. I'm trying to focus on. <laughs> uh, I, I've gone to church, I guess, since I was two years old. But uh, there is such a, there is a difference between religion and relationship with God. And uh, I know uh, religion is designed to enhance and, and you know, initiate a relationship with God. It really is designed 
for people who really want to have a relationship with God. And whether they won't know it or not, there is, I think, kind of a hole in our soul that seeks to be filled. And I just think it's God that does that. And rather than, I, I went to school one time and got a degree in Bible. And there is a difference between preachiness and and uh, kind of a, it's almost an innocent arrogance, but it comes across as an arrogance. If, if you act like you know everything, and if you say, here's God, let me show him to you. But if I go at it from my experience to where, oh, here's what I experienced, and here's what I think it means, then a person is left to be free to, to believe what they want. And, uh, and if God is about anything, it's about freedom. He's allowing us to believe what we want to believe. That's just incredible that uh, if you make something, I mean, I would think if I was God and I was going to make a person, I'd make them, make them do what I want them to do, make them <laughs> believe what I want. But God isn't like that. He totally frees us up to believe what we want to. And I wanted to do the same thing with this book. You know, that here's some truth that I think is true. What do you think? And that's kind of, that's kind of the feel I wanted to create. Now, I'm a coffee lover. I drink copious amounts of coffee. Yeah. So when it the title had, you know, finding finding Christ in the, at the coffee shop, that yeah. just that spurred me even more. Where do you write your stories? Where do those come from and where do you write? Do you write at home? Do you write outside or do you sit in a coffee shop and the stories come to you there? I wrote those in Starbucks. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. awesome i'll just i'll just go before work and sit down there with my computer and and write it it started with the humblest of beginnings it was just crazy I, I i taught a bible class in church and the preacher whom i admired a lot said afterwards he said that's the best bible class i've ever heard write it down and and so i just did it never occurred to me before to do that and and so i ended up doing that 26 times or whatever, you know, 25 times of the number of stories in the book. Almost all of them were written in Starbucks, Starbucks in an overstuffed chair. That's awesome. So now the title makes sense to everybody out there listening. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I just love the title. I think it's awesome because yeah. when I read and, that, it just made me smile because you can find God anywhere. Yeah. And, and really what inspired the actual, the, the name of the book was one morning I was in there at 6.30 and there were like 15 teenagers in there at 6.30 and they were having a devotional and, and a girl was kind of leading them and she had a little boom box here and she played some Christian music and, you know, she talked like a teenager. She said like, oh, like, you know, God is so cool and everything and we like need to worship him and everything. And, and, and uh, they were there at 6.30 in the morning thanking God for things. And I thought, good night. And after they left, I thought, oh, man, the place is empty, but it's not empty. It's got the aroma of Jesus here. And so I thought, man, there's Christ at the coffee shop. That's so awesome. What an awesome. Yeah. And those kids, they were probably there before school if it was 630 in the morning. Yeah, they were from two or three different schools. How? And they were before school. And I, That's just you know, amazing. I mean, kids do that these days. Right. Absolutely, Absolutely they do. You know, we were talking earlier about how much bad news there is. You know, that's true, but there's more truth than that. There's a lot of good news. 
And I thought I'd just focus on that a while. I try to do that each day, honestly. Yeah. We were talking off mic here before we started recording about letting fear bounce, you know, yeah, man. podcast yeah. and why I came up with it. But since then, you know, the last almost three years now, there is, there is the news. It seems like, you can, and I don't, I stopped watching TV to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I just listen to music and I yeah. read a lot and I'm outdoors a lot. And the things that you can find that are just nothing but filled with goodness. Oh, I mean, and you're focusing on truth just like that. I mean, just like they are. I mean, they, they might be recording facts that are true, but that's not all the truth there is because you're living a totally different life that's focused on a different, uh, that's focused on truth. Right. And you might as well focus on what brings the greater reward. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And fear is a liar anyway. It is. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Really good quote, song by that title. Zach Williams. <laughs> I was just going to say, if you know Zach Williams, <laughs> I love that guy. His music's amazing. His music's amazing. Uh, oh, it, it really is. It really is. So I and so obviously you listen to contemporary Christian. So do I. I so I'll I'll crank it. I'll crank it on my back porch. I uh, crank it, you know, in my car when I'm driving. And sometimes on purpose, I will be at a red light, and I'm just jamming. I've just got the radio cranking to contemporary Christian. I'll look over and there's somebody scowling in the car beside <laughs> my window down, and there let that go. music just blow out my window. Oh yeah, I'd be in a light. That's right. That's right. I call it tossing nuggets of hope. There you go. That's a good one. That's awesome. what I, and that's, that's kind of been my mission this year is to toss nuggets oh, of hope yeah. there because yeah, many people are but, just, they're listening to, they're listening to the world and they're letting that cloak everything in darkness. Oh, I know. I know. Isn't that the truth? You know, fear is such a big subject. I'm, I'm, I'm putting the finishing touches on a book called how to keep fear from scaring you to death. Another awesome title. Yeah, that's a cool <laughs> thing. And and so it's really crazy that fear actually can scare us to death. And uh, and it doesn't have to. We don't have to live our lives like that because there's more truth than that, you know. And so yes. it's just awesome. I toss these little nuggets of hope. That's what I call it. I just toss them out there. Yeah. And I hope that they do bring a little light to someone. Yeah. And I, I typically, I literally have little stones that have the word hope engraved on them. Yeah. And I carry them with me. And when I feel nudged to give one to someone, it's always a stranger. I'll get this little nudge and I'll be like, okay. So I walk up to this person and say, I just want to give you a little nugget of hope today. And without Aww. fail, without fail, they've opened up their hand. And I just hand it to them and I just wish them a blessed day. And then I walk away because I, yeah. I, I don't feel I'm supposed to talk to them. Right. I'm just supposed to give them that. And whatever it is that they may need, I hope that their eyes are opened a little bit more to see that it's not all dark. And yeah, there is hope. And you just might find hope in the most unlikely of places. Yeah. I tell you what, I just, I just don't subscribe to the idea of this hopelessness, dread and all that that's that's uh that's uh mongered by the media and that sort of thing i just don't subscribe to it i don't don't believe in it jesus here's how jesus said it he said don't be overcome by evil but overcome evil 
with good. Good's more powerful than evil. And, and uh, you know, a defensive posture is not what I'm called to, I don't think. You know, oh, there's a place where Jesus said, your name's Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church. They were at Caesarea Philippi. They were standing on a rock, I think. And he, then he said, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. All my life I've thought, I'm defending against hell. Hell's attacking me. That's not what it says. It's a gate just stands there. So a gate will not prevail against the church. So we're attacking hell. So why are we scared? I mean, why are we in a defensive posture? <laughs> and the thing is, if, if you do read the good book, we know who wins. Yeah, yeah, you know who wins, so you don't have to be scared now. Right. So so uh, I think it's just really good for me to remind myself of that every day surround myself with people who are talking the same language and just encourage, you know, just totally re encourage ourselves because we're all becoming something and we're becoming what we think about. And so I want to become that. I like that. We're all becoming something. Yeah. yeah. Because our journey's not done as long as we're still breathing and he's given yeah. us breath to breathe in our lungs and through our noses. Yeah. We're not done. We're here for a reason. One of those is to be kind and to care. Yeah. And, you know, that's another reason I toss my hope nuggets out there. That's just awesome, Kim. Because, that's you know, really kindness, it's not, it costs you nothing. And people, you know, right. you hear that and read that everywhere. Kindness costs you nothing. Yeah. So, you and know, wouldn't, wouldn't you rather be kind than awful? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And something that helps me remember to do that is that, I heard somebody say this, several somebodies, everybody's carrying a burden. And why don't we just try to lift the burden a little bit and uh, do our part? And amazing thing, if I it, in the Bible, God never needs a real big army to do a bunch of stuff. He does it with just a couple of people, maybe one person. It's just incredible how that how that works. So it it keeps me from feeling so stinking insignificant that I can't do anything, you know, and because I fight that, I fight, well, man, who are you, Nathan? You're nothing. You're just sitting over here on a farm in Magnolia, and what can you do? And God can do whatever he wants to. You know, and, and I, I, I often think that as well. I, you know, you feel insignificant, and you're like, I'm just this one, literally a speck. I'm a yeah. speck in the whole yeah. scheme of things. Yeah. And someone years ago, and not in a nice way, said to me, who do you think you are thinking you've changed the world? Oh. And it was not said in a nice way at all. It was very yeah. derogatory. And this yeah. was someone who was very close to me. And my response was, I never said I want to change the world, but there's no stopping me from changing one person's world. There you go. Well, that's how society changes, one at a time. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. So share, do you have a minute to share a little bit, maybe give us a glimpse of one of the stories in Christ in a Coffee Shop? Okay. We were in Tennessee and we were on a farm and uh, there was a big hemlock tree about to undercut the banks of the creek and fall over. So we would, we decided to cut it down, take the sawmill and make some planks out of it. And we had a little Massey Ferguson tractor. I had a dad who was uh he was maybe a little too stern and he, he, he grew up in the depression and he thought money was worth a lot. 
And, and so, you know, one time I remember we milked a cow and so I had some sweet feed down in the, in the barn and I was little and I thought, man, I'll just build me a fort in this stable and I'll sprinkle this sweet feed all around the perimeter of the stable on the dirt and it'll make my fort and I can pretend it's a wall, you know? And I, so I called my dad down there to, uh, to look at it. Good night. I, you know, I thought I had created a, a beautiful expression of, of talent there, you know, but my dad wasn't into that as much as he was not wasting sweet feed. So he gave me a spank and I, I thought, man, why'd he do that? You know, he was probably more stern than he ought to have been, but of late, you know, uh, lately he seemed like he is kind of going soft, and we knew that he had he had uh, spent a lot of time early mornings Bible reading and contemplating on things. Because when I'd get up, he'd have his Bible in his easy chair before work. And so this day we were going to cut this tree down, and my brother, who's four years older than me, he was like hyperactive. I mean, he stretched everything to the limit and usually took it on over the edge, you know. He ought to have died a bunch of times, but God probably had a hyperactive angel on his case, <laughs> keeping him from dying. And he tried everything, you know, some things twice, but mostly what he tried was my dad's patience. <laughs> he, just, he was all the time in trouble, but he was the driver of this tractor. And he thought, well, and he, and you never could tell him anything. He, he knew it all. And he thought, well, we'll just tie to this log and we'll drag it up this hill and then we'll load it on the wagon. And I thought, man, that tractor's too little for that. He said, no, I can do it. I'll get a good run and start, you know, and down on the flat and then I'll hit the hill and it'll go right on up. Well, he got a good run and start and he hit the hill. But instead of going on up, the front end of the tractor reared up in the air and spun around and came down. But the problem is it came down on our shovel and it broke the handle of the shovel. Doesn't sound like a big deal, but if you had my dad, it was a big deal because shovels cost money and he hadn't seen it yet, but I knew he would soon. So we were all just wondering what might happen when he saw it. And so here he came later on, you know, in a few minutes, he had his walking stick in his hand and walking through the Huckleberry and Virginia creeper and stuff and come up there and he stopped and looked at everything and he, it's like he had x-ray vision, you know, he could see this picture behind the picture, you know, and he, and he looked around, looked around and saw what was going on, the broken shovel, the sideways tractor, and then the driver, he saw the driver and his eyes squinted a little and his mouth drooped at the edges a little. And then he turned around and walked off. We couldn't believe it. We thought he was just addled. He was so mad, you know, we thought he was <laughs> He couldn't say that he was so mad. And so, you know, by then, you know, by now that, you know, money doesn't grow on trees lecture and grow up and get responsible speech. You know, we should have heard all that, but nothing. He just walked away. And so one of us called out to him, asked him if he was going to do anything to Mike, my brother, on account of the shovel. And he, and he called back a one sentence reply and he walked on, you know, my my brother now spends a lot of time reading his Bible and contemplating. And he heard my dad uh, give his answer that day, and, and he credits my dad for showing him God in just one sentence. And my dad said, the boy is worth more than the shovel. So uh, that's it. And I think that's God in common places. That's Christ at the coffee shop. That's That's 
shows us God. Yes, and, uh, it does. Yeah, yeah. So it's good to know that, you know. I think it's good when you're 12 years old to understand that. And to hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, powerful, powerful stuff. Wow, uh, we got to wrap up. <laughs> Let's do it. Time has flown. Time has flown. Folks, all of you out there listening, you got to get a copy of Christ at the Coffee Shop. Nathan, I'm going to let you share with our listeners where they can find this book. And if you've got a website, share that with them, please. Oh, thank you. I don't have a website, but you can find it on Amazon. It's on Kindle and Audible and uh, eBook. And and I actually, re- I actually read it for Audible, my voice uh, in there. And I, then I have hardback. You can order you can get one from me. Christ in a Coffee Shop, available on Amazon, on it also Kindle, as well as audiobook, which is awesome that you did that yourself. That's a lot of work to put an audiobook together. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I bet it was. I bet it was. Nathan, this has been amazing. I, I have absolutely, truly enjoyed our chat today. Me too. We'd love to have you back again sometime. You've got another book you're working on, right? I am. Yeah. How to Keep Fear from Scaring You to Death. So do you have an idea of when that might be launched out into the world? I want to have it completed by my birthday in December. And then I'll probably, it'll probably be three, four or five months after that before I actually have it available, published. When you've got that book book published and out in the world, I want you back on so we can chit chat about that. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Kim. You're an awesome hostess, Kim. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks again, Nathan, for being my guest again. This has been an absolute pleasure for me and all of you out there listening. Thanks for sharing just a small part of your day with myself and my guest today, author Nathan Ingram, the author of Christ at the Coffee Shop. This is Kim Langling, your host of Let Fear Bounce. Everybody be well, stay well, and be blessed.